Sister. Kids usually go, whoop, because of eggs and... But there's just something so great. I remember those songs we sang this morning, wasn't that awesome? Yeah. Wow, words for singing. Yeah. Isn't it good they're real? They're not, it's not just a story. Yeah, come on. Talk, talk to me, please. <laughs> yes. very quiet. Are you glad it's not just a story? We're singing yeah. about yeah. reality. Yeah. Yes. Jesus is in us. He's present in this room. Who loves us. And, and we can know that. And live that and be changed by that. Every second of our lives. So, hallelujah. He's here. And, and he's with us. So I, I'm here to... Uh, the last couple of weeks... I have been launching a series on behalf of our, our team, our eldership team, which has been about what is our vision and then what are our values. And many of you will be familiar with bits and pieces of the theme, but we feel like we're in a place where everything... You want me back? Yeah, of course. That's better. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> I've been watching too much sci-fi this week. What's that? <laughs> that's that kind of noises, isn't it? There we go. Oops. Is that okay, Tim? Are you, are you comfortable with that? Do we keep completely still? That might be more difficult. Um, yeah, so we really feel like We've been on this incredible journey as a church, discovering what it is to uh, be caught up in a move of God, which is heaven coming to earth. All kinds of phrases we've used, freedom, culture of our presence, and, and you've heard it. Most of you have been here for a while. Uh, welcome if you're new. Uh, and, and, but we feel like we've, we've got the, the package together, not that we've arrived or that we know everything there is to know, that's not what we're talking about, but we've understood our assignment with greater clarity than ever before after a lot of processing together and we have a huge amount of togetherness agreement and, and we want to catch you up in that and in the explanation of that because we actually believe in what we're doing is going to change the world. Mm-hmm. We're not really here just to fiddle around on a Sunday morning. We believe Sunday morning is absolutely vital to changing the world. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying by that. But we're not just here to have a nice service. That would not be adequate for most of what we're called to do. Jesus yeah. called us to go to nations, to change nations. And, and I believe he's placed us here to be a, a change agent. Uh, but that requires, what we're convinced of, it requires something that perhaps church it's not been great at, which is a culture shift, so that we're not blending into the culture, but we're countercultural, but we're countercultural in an attractive way, so that we represent the culture of heaven, which actually does work on earth, rather than the culture of church, which then you have to relearn to live. Church culture then makes you have to learn it, but then a lot of it doesn't really work when you go to work on Monday morning. The culture of heaven works everywhere and that is actually the superior culture and works in every part of life and every arena of life and that's what we're about. Amen? And and so we've looked at our our, our mission statement, our assignment from God which will go on and on and on. Uh, We'll spend our whole lives and the lives of those after us 
and, and beyond. We are a family called to the transformation of people, families, churches, cities, nations, with experiences of God's goodness until earth looks like heaven. So we don't want to just trans transform by ideas, although those are important, very, very important, but actually experiencing the goodness of God. And then we explain to you what our 40 year, what our 10 year, what our 5 year vision is. So these are more like our goals, what we're going after to express uh, the things we've got passion for and called to do. And they're rooted in the prophetic words that have been coming to us over for a church, probably from the beginning, but many over the last five years particularly, that, that are calling us to certain activities. And we've summarized our five year vision as that we're here to grow in city impact and influence to grow as a church and become a centre of equipping and resourcing. So many prophetic words over us in those kind of arenas of, of influence, of increase, and of training and equipping different ministries and releasing them. And then last week, you've got the stunning revelation of what our core values are. And I, I said it's a little bit like H2O. So, everybody know what H2O is? So you're going to know. <laughs> It's Easter, I mean, I'm on holiday. Easter, I hope water. So it's two, two atoms of hydrogen. Realize I have a PhD chemist sitting right in front of me. So two atoms of hydrogen and one of oxygen. I remember being in chemistry at school. I'm not even sure they're allowed to do this anymore, but our chemistry teacher then at A-level said, I'm going to make water by catalyzing hydrogen and oxygen together. Which is very exciting because we all knew enough about both of those things are actually quite explosive. So if you get this thing wrong, what you, you get an explosion and not water. And we got an explosion. So I remember that's the most memorable chemistry lesson I ever had. But if you get it right, you could put two atoms of hydrogen with one of oxygen and you end up with water. And water is an environment that covers something like two-thirds of the planet in which is a culture in which all kinds of things live. So we have, we have three elements for our culture. Uh, can you remember what they are? Honor, presence. Honor, presence and legacy. Mm. Oh, to all class, Ruthie, listening. Yeah. So, honor, presence and legacy. Those are, our, those are our core elements that come together to create the environment we're aspiring to. So honor, presence, and legacy, and what we're going to be doing in the, in the, the weeks to come as a team, I, I'm just sort of kicking this one off on presence today, and then others are going to come in and, 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 and expand that and explain that for us, and then we're going to look at honour and we'll look at legacy over the months to come. So as a team, we've invited other people in to help us as well, others around here in Hope, excellent communicators who understand and carry some of this, so we've, we've, we're recruiting their help to share this with you over the weeks to come. Alright, so it's exciting. Today we're going to look at a sort of overview of presence. And this, this has really been the thing that has been our major heartbeat for a long, the longest time. Um, we've got to, I'm trying to find ways to sum this up, but God is always in the room and he's always here to be experienced. So I just wonder, just as a little experiment with me, if you're just sitting there looking at me I'm maybe dialing down a little to listen to this amazing communicator standing in front of you. But just, just engage your spirit a moment. 
just like we were in worship, and point your insides, your affections, your spirit, your to Jesus, because he's, he's here. Just go and express something of your affection and love for him as you do that. So, not a vague thought, but actually, I just want to connect with the presence of Jesus that's right next to me, right inside me, right upon me, right in front of me. And express some of your love and affection for him as you just sit there for a moment. Jesus, we, we know you're here, but we want to welcome you and honour you for everything you did and everything you're doing and everything you're going to do for us. That, that great cry that you said on the cross, that it is finished. <laughs> Thanks. We, we live on the other side of that. We live on the finished work. Not the begun work, not the just started. You, you completed it all for us. Thank you for your love, Lord. Thank you for your presence. <clears throat> oh, something else I forgot. Uh, we're sending a missions team to Lebanon next Saturday. We talked about Ruth, talked about last week. If you're, there's about four of you going, I don't know if you're all here. If you're going, you want to stand up quickly. Yeah, Ruth. There's two missing. Francis and Sarah Griffin. Okay, well, we'll, if you're near these guys, just lay hands on them, stretch out your hands to them, pray for Francis and Sarah as well. We're going to have an amazing time in Lebanon, right on the border with Syria, uh, just supporting people that are working with the refugees that are coming and have come across the border there. Uh, Ruth says it's not dangerous, I still remain to be convinced. So these are incredibly courageous people taking the love of Jesus to support the incredible ministry that's happening there. So Father, we want to bless them, fill them with courage, fill them with wisdom, and let them take uh, yeah, the, the impacting presence of Jesus right every step they take, every word that they express. Amen. We're looking forward to great testimonies coming back from that. <clears throat> just as I was reviewing this, preparing this, I think some of our best and most shaping moments as a, as a church have actually been in these crazy presence times. We've had some yeah. astonishing encounters, and often together. Yes. Um, and, and there's been many of them, and I'm sure there are many more to come. But this is really what we are. We are about His presence. And we are about His presence not as a, an idea or just something we believe is, really, is true, but we don't, doesn't really affect us. We, we, when we use this word, His presence, we're talking about His manifest presence, the tangible <coughs> presence of God, the experienced presence of God, the... And sometimes, because of the way we think, we can we can kind of compartmentalise or dissect or make God's like on the instalment plan. Like we just talk about His love as if that's not Him, but actually, or talk about His presence like it's detached from Him. Actually, if you feel His presence, you're feeling God. If you encounter the love of God, you're encountering God. It's just probably the case that. If you encountered everything he had to give you all in a wanna, it would be somewhat overwhelming. <laughs> but because he gives to us in that way, that doesn't mean anything you experience is less than him. 
uh, and, and isn't him. It's just like what I'm just experiencing love life now, right now. Well, you're experiencing the love of God. You, you're having a real connection with the presence of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Creator of the universe, the one who sustained you by his breath, the one who loved you, died, died for you, rose again from you and sits enthroned. You may be feeling love like right now, but you're encountering and you're contacting the fullness of deity. And I just trust that we're not going to just talk about the presence like it's sort of disembodied or has no personality. It's God. God is here. Any, anything you encounter that, that, that is related to his presence is an experience of God himself. And uh, he's so good to us that he doesn't sort of overwhelm us with it all at once. I think that... There are times when it's pretty overwhelming, and, and I, I suspect that he's still, he's still got the, it's still turned down fairly low. If he was to turn the volume right up, I think we would be like, I don't know. I'm up for finding out. So what is present? What is present? Well, it's God. It's it's. It, it, but it, we, what we mean by presence is it's His tangible presence. It's His feelable, knowable activity in us and to us and around us and on us. Any one of those words you want to choose, all are true of Him because we're in Him. He's on us. He's in us, and we're in Him. And all that confusing stuff that we'll look at in a minute is just all true. So we can't always get our heads around it, but we are enveloped in Him. We are surrounded by Him. We are filled with Him. We are, we are, we are, we are in heavenly realms with Him. He is right here on earth with us. All, all of it is true, and that is the reality that we live in, and we're learning to experience. Mm -hmm. Right? It's not the reality that if you walk out the door here and go to work, it's not the reality most people are conceptualizing, it's not the philosophy most people are living from, but actually as we change our thinking, we will connect to who we really are, what he's really doing, and where he really is, which is right here. And uh, it's something that can increase, because he is infinite and we are finite, and, and We've talked many times about out of 2 Corinthians 3 is that wherever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. We are referring to that already this morning. And that the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all unveil faces. So the barrier and the, and, and the, and the confusion actually and, and any limitation that did stand between us and Him has been removed at the cross. That beautiful moment that that curtain was torn top to bottom and the Holy of Holies was exposed and I'm fully convinced that was much more about him coming out than us going in. Although it's true that we can enter the holy place but it's also true that he came out and he's poured out his spirit on all flesh. So we have this place where with unveiled faces we're contemplating the Lord's glory and being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, literally transfigured. We are transfigured into his image. 
with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So this activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives, this activity of encounter, of beholding the Lord in different ways, is actually transfiguring us, transfiguring because we already have His, His nature inside of us, and that is becoming more and more revealed as we encounter Him in a greater revelatory way. So there's a deepening of this thing called encountering the presence. It's from glory to glory. It's from a great place to a better place to an even more awesome place. And sometimes it can get, when you've had some amazing times, you can get to the point of, oh, I'm not sure I either want, need, or can handle more than this. Or you can hit this sort of plateau where you can kind of get used to what you have. Do, do you understand what I mean? Kind of the familiar can kick in, and, and other people come around you know, like, wow, this is amazing. You're like, yeah, I'm going to be bored with this level. Actually, the key for us is to stay humble, stay thirsty, because there is always more. There is always more. And, and I, I've taught you that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. You have fullness, and that's true. But there's always more in terms of our intimacy with him. There's always more in terms of our encounter. There's always more in terms of our understanding and revelation of what is already true. Staying thirsty requires us to stay humble. And really actually requires us to keep appreciating what we already have. Because he's given us so much already. We've had so many incredible incredible moments together. I, I was thinking of a few of them. I was thinking a couple of years ago about there was this moment when we were in the school and, and it, uh, there was such a stillness or a awesomeness in the presence. I was like, something at another level is happening here. And I started to talking to some of the seers in the room and, and it literally we sensed together the Father walk in the room. Now, He's here, but it was that level, it was that increase of, of, of Papa God just showed up in a, in a fuller and more profound way than any of us had ever experienced, and we experienced it together. Or there was the experiences of worship that we were having, and then we started to find this news about knife crime, and that, that we've relayed that story a few times, I'm not going to go into it now, but we've had corporate experiences of going deeper in the presence that have then changed us have been markers in our walk as a family. And, and, and I want to lift that up to us because that's one of the reasons we do this. Because that only happens as a corporate body. And just imagine what that could be like when there's hundreds and hundreds of people having encounters together with Papa God in a dimension in a way that is actually not possible on your own with three or four in a room. There's something about the body, the temple, which is us corporate as well as us individual gathering, where his presence floods in and his glory gets revealed at increasing levels as we hunger and thirst together. This is, this is our value. We have a value for this. We want more of this. If there's nothing else we do, we want more of this. We want more of him, more encounter, more, uh, more knowledge of him. Because really, it's what was the other words on this is actually, as a family, we're actually getting to know the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're building relationship as a community with God. 
It's, it's not a technical thing, well, we're here for the presence. No, we're here because his presence is him and we love him and he loves us. And we're building a history, both individually and as a family, uh, we're building a, a relationship with God. We have events that we refer to. We have prophetic words that come in those moments. We have these things that are shaping who we are, which we carry with us into the world around us and into our future. We are Hope Church building a relationship with God as a community, as well as each individual component, each one of us. Uh, So what does it mean to have a culture whose core element is the presence of God, or one of the core elements, the absolute thing? Well, I just want to look at a couple of the roots of this, and then perhaps explore, I don't know if you can practicalize this, but apply it a little bit more in terms of what does this mean for us. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Good. Very quiet today. I know you're a very thoughtful, intelligent group of people. But a little more noise would make me feel better. Is that okay? Yes. Hello, good morning. Yeah. That's good. I'm happy for a bit of time. Thank you. Feel free. Even disagreement sometimes is better than no comment. You know those interviews you have, you're like, no comment. Like, I know nothing about you. Anyway. Why should presence be such a core, right at the core, what the, the primary focus? Well, it's rooted in a couple of things. Number one, David talks in Psalm 27, and this is, he says what the heartbeat of this better than anybody. One thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. He, his, he's a king, ruling an expanding kingdom, busy, he's got huge responsibilities, <laughs> he's got expanding family, he has family troubles, he has issues, yet the priority of his heart, he's one, he's one thing, the thing he's not going to let go of in all the other pressures is, I want your presence, God, I want to know it, I want to encounter you, I want to deepen his, he's, he's had enough to know how gorgeous, beautiful, wonderful it is to want to keep going. See, God's addictive and satisfying at the same time. How he does that, I don't know, but you can be so filled with him and so happy with him and so satisfied with him. At least it's a response. That he... uh, (laughs) He... um, So filled with him that he satisfies you, but that very experience leaves you hungry for more. Because, and that's what David's expressing, that he's had enough to know that he wants more. And he wants to keep that as his primary focus, his number one thing that he's going after. So his energies, his thinking, he's, he's shaping his, this one thing, he's shaping his life and he's shaping his kingdom around the presence of God. To which point is he brings all his resources to bear to bring the Ark of the Covenant back. He creates a tent. He creates worship right at the centre of his kingdom. He pioneers some new thinking theologically, completely out of step, ahead of his time. And right at the centre of David's kingdom is the presence of God and his worship. Yeah, thanks. I'm free, so we go back. (laughs) 
<laughs> Isn't that great? I got better. I just, no. <laughs> Isn't that great that, that, <clears throat> that David, with all these, all these conquering and, and, and being such a great king, gave his priority, his resources to the presence of God, to worship, to raising up worshippers, a worship band, and on and on. He, he knew what he was doing. He knew he had the presence of God at the centre of his kingdom. One thing. And in John 14, uh, and perhaps we could get that up, because we, so at the beginnings of this journey, we looked at this scripture quite a lot as a, as a church, uh, some five, six years ago, but John 14, 15 and on, because <clears throat> of time, we just sort of whizzed through it, but he's, this is Jesus, read talking about the, the spirit who is to come and uh, if you love me you'll obey my, what I command and I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever the spirit of truth <coughs> that the world can't accept because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he lives with you will be in you so just hold that for a second because here's Jesus promising the Holy Spirit to the disciples that he's going to send the Holy Spirit but actually saying you already know how did they already know because he was already functioning in Jesus' life the Spirit remember Jesus stands up and says the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me too so they're aware of the presence of the Spirit but now Jesus is saying he's going to come to you I'm not, I'm not going to leave you on your own okay let's go up. next verse please I will not leave you as orphans this is crucial information for the church in the 21st century is that we have not been left as orphans and an orphan is not someone who doesn't have parents it's someone whose parents are absent do, do you see so for you to exist you have to have enough biological matter from a man and a woman to come you have a mom and dad somewhere but what qualifies an orphan is someone whose parents are not present what Jesus is saying is, I'm not going to be an absent father, an absent brother. I'm not going to send you as orphans. So you know you have an origin in heaven, but you have no company on earth. So he's constantly with us, his presence by his spirit, so that we are not orphans. So if we have an environment that is presence-less, we very quickly start to feel alone and orphans, and then you get orphan behaviour in church, and that's not fun to see. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me, because I live, you will live also. On that day, you will realize, ah, of course we will. But I love this verse, that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I am in you. You can only know that by the Holy Spirit coming in your life, because it's a revelation. Let's keep going. Whoever has my commands and obeys him, he's the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and show myself to him. And then Judas, not Iscariot, said, Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Next verse. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he'll obey my teaching. And here I believe Jesus is basically referring to believe his teaching, which is believing in him, who he is, that he's the Son of God. Uh, my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. 
We talked a lot about that, isn't it? Amazing. So God wants to come, but he doesn't just want to come, he wants to come and make home. He wants to come and mess with your furniture. He wants to come and change the decor. He wants to come and maybe knock a couple of walls down, put a bit of steelwork in so there's more sunlight in the back of the house. He, he wants to come and have it like he has it. Yeah? He, he likes it how he likes it. And he comes to our lives and he comes to our communities and he's saying, I want to make my home here. Um, There's just a few things you maybe need to adjust for me to feel more comfortable. So hence this, we have scriptures that say it's possible to quench the spirit, it's possible to grieve the spirit. That's when behaviours and practices uh, and routines are in place that actually don't feel comfortable to God because it's not looking like heaven, it's just got too much earth in it. If that makes sense to you. So when he says this, it, he's come, but he doesn't want to be sat in the smallest chair in the corner of your house. Or I have God in my life, stay there. When he comes, he, he would like, and he, the beautiful thing about him is, although he's God, he doesn't come in and sort of wreck all your furniture. And He comes, and with your permission, he will change your life. He will rearrange your furniture. And we felt that as a church, he's here to keep rearranging our furniture at many, many levels. And, and we just want to look at some of the ways in which we are called to apply this reality that he wants to come and increase his presence, that we make this part of our habit, part of our routine. Because it's in the spirit that we encounter our true identity. It's only here by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is his presence. Presence is Holy Spirit. Jesus is here by the Holy Spirit. It, it, we, we, we're Trinitarian. So you can use all those words interchangeably because he's one and he's three. <laughs> so we're here to focus on his presence for its own sake. And what that means is we're not always trying to get him to do something. We don't come to God every week or every time we pray at home or when we worship with an agenda first. I don't think David was there going, really what I want is to get, I just want to come because I've got this enemy I needed to beat and I've got this bill I needed to pay and I've got this issue going on with my sons. That's not prioritising the presence, that's prioritising your needs. And, and a few years back now I had a, a, a strange and wonderful experience where you know that bit in um, just before Jesus is born and John's dad-to-be gets an angelic visitation and the angel tells him, you're going to have a son and he doesn't believe it. So he kind of, his mouth is shut by the angel until the, the baby's been born and then they name him and he writes the name and then his mouth did that thing. It was like my mouth was shut. I couldn't make requests. I didn't want to, I couldn't open my mouth. It's went on for at least six months. My shopping list prayer life disappeared. I think by an act of God, he was so tired of just, oh God, you know, just need a breakthrough with this. I want that to be healed, that bill to be paid, this thing to grow, these people to, to get saved. I mean, they, 
all of them very laudable things. I mean, magnificent things I was asking for, but it was like... <laughs> and I spent months just worshipping, just wanting his presence, just enjoying him for his own sake, just saying, I'm here because I want to talk to you because I like you. And I'd like to have more of you. And after months and months, I started reading some scriptures and God kept saying that, I want you to ask. It's time to ask again. It's time to ask again. And the first thing that came out of my mouth, I, I kid you not, what bubbled up inside of me says, God, my first request is I want more of you. I'm like, oh, something's changed on the inside. This is, what, this is present-centered is not need-centered. Present-centered is not me-centered. Present-centered isn't what Hope Church needs centered. Present-centered isn't when we come to the meeting figuring out how everybody's feeling. It's figuring out and sensing what he's doing. There are incredible needs. We prayed about one this morning. But you know what? Our priority is his presence. I know that for some people, 45 minutes of worship is inconvenient. I don't think it's inconvenient for him. This is one of the reasons we spend a priority of our time as a community worshipping Jesus. I know that there are other challenges about what to do with children and you know, a Sunday morning is full of stuff you're trying to do. We're trying to celebrate Easter, break bread, look after the blessing, equip our children. We're trying to worship, trying to preach, we're trying to give notices and do a whole ton of stuff. But we are holding the line that our priority is his presence. And we are going to make a big space to worship him for his own sake. Because he's that good, he's that worthy, he's that beautiful, and we want to encounter him every week, face to face, as a community, and make time and space to do that. That's what a culture of his presence means. It means you prioritise that. And other things that are uncomfortable or awkward take their place, but their priority does not trump that priority. Just make them unimportant, just doesn't make them supremely important. The supremely important thing is that we encounter him. And that we find a way to do that every week together through worship. And if it starts to not happen, we need to ask the question why and make some changes. But our priority is that we want to draw our children into that. We want to draw our families into that. But we don't want to make it less. We want to make it more. I'm just saying time wise, but and Steve Steve Perkins, cracking job message a couple of weeks ago on worship. If you just want to expand that whole uh, theme, Steve did a super job. He leads our worship team. Our worship team, our worship time, our time of singing these incredible songs to Jesus, our time of loving him and loving on him and letting him love us and speak to us is absolutely core to this. We love his presence and we want more of him. Can you sign up to that as a culture? 
But you can tell, I know because we have teams and we have set up and we have, there are inconveniences that that imposes. I believe it's worth it because it's worth it. Because that's our culture. If you have a culture that is, that you could get driven by a culture which is to grow. So I, I have dear friends who were in a church like that, that started to move towards seeker sensitive, where they prioritised the needs of the near believers and non-believers and guests that were coming in their, in their interpretation of what those people needed. And this friend of mine who, who happens to be a worship leader said, it got to the point where I was taking my band and playing in pubs and we were experiencing more of the presence of God in the pub than we were in church. There was even a discussion in this significant sized church that was moving in this direction about there was now no more speaking in tongues and they even had a discussion about banning the use of the word hallelujah because the visitors may not understand it. Now that is their choice and that is fine to make that choice. But it's not our choice because our priority is his presence. So we've often said we are seeker sensitive but we're sensitive to the seeker. We want to be sensitive to him because he's the one that seeks and saves the lost. Do you, do you understand? So that's a diff, to, to design your environment like that is saying we're having a different priority. And that priority is at least our interpretation of what near believers or non-believers need. I'm not sure it's actually true, personally, but that is, if that shapes you, then you start, you have 17 minutes of worship, you have no contribution, you don't have speaking in tongues, you don't sing hallelujah, and suddenly worship leaders are finding more of God's presence in the pub than in church. Not, not going to be done here. But I'm just trying to illustrate how if you make another core value a priority, it starts to shape the habits and design of what you do and why that happens. And, and, and that people make those choices that I've not, I would not make those choices, we would not make those choices, but I'm trying to illustrate a point. Um, so if he's making home, then he's definitely allowed to move the furniture. Yikes. I think he's moved our mental furniture, our belief systems. There's lots of belief systems that we've encountered what we believe about ourselves. We've been changing because that wasn't right. Uh, what we believe about him, what we believe about what he's doing. Tons of stuff that, that you'll have heard us talk about. About the way we plan. We really need him. So we, we want to be sensitive to and shaped by the prophetic words on our individual lives our dreams and our visions as a church, the unique encounters we have as a community, some of which I've referred to. These things, we want these things because they're expressions of his very presence and his very nature, his tangible activity are the things that we value to shape our direction and our feel. Because if we don't value them, then we get less of them. These are precious gifts from him. And if we just start to treat them as boring or normal or irrelevant, actually what starts to happen is you get less, but you get more of what you appreciate. This parable of talents would illustrate that for you. So we, if we want more of this, we really want to value what he does when, when and how he does it. 
Um, it, it's affected our leadership furniture, and, and we did a, a wonderful job, had an amazing time now. A couple of months back, as we just established our, our new eldership, it was amazing. That was the best time I've ever had with new elders. This is Holy Spirit all over it, beautiful time. And I've talked about this, oh, that's good, I've not got ahead in my notes, but we shaped the way that we do meetings to value his presence. So even, we used to have lots of prophecies and now we have some, and we're very open to have more, but what we found was a lot of our prophetic and our contribution was very interpreting the room, rather interpreting heaven. So, so you know, in terms of, you know, everybody's feeling a bit this this morning and the Lord says that. Actually, what we really want to know is just what he's doing. Because once we know what that is, everything else starts to change. Do, do you see? It's not that you're not important, it's just what he's doing is the most important. And actually, it's all of our job to discern what he's doing in any time when we gather together. And it may be slightly different for you than the person next to you, but we're not here just to have a general sort of blobby encounter, but actually to have an experience of God together where he's doing something with you. And then as things start to happen corporately, it's for us to cooperate with what that direction may be in any one moment. And that's very exciting. could say more about that, but I'm running out of time. <clears throat> We've learned and we're learning to discern his presence, not by the phenomena, but by detecting his presence. Too many Christians are scared of the phenomena that happen when God shows up in a powerful way. So falling, shrieking, shouting, trembling, all the stuff that we've seen happen here, we don't want to shut that down. And we don't want to fear it, and we don't want to get fed up of it, and we don't want to criticise it. I'm not, I, sh I know that not all of it is Jesus, but also know lots of it is. And following the footsteps of some uh, other men of God, I don't want to shut it down. We don't want to shut it down because you don't want to lose the, the genuine, just for the, the chance that there's a few bits of faith that you might lose. Every, every move of God that's got treated with that way has had long-term consequences. So two nations in Europe I'm aware of, <clears throat> Holland in the 1700s, they, had a, they were part of the first Great Awakening, which up here would have been Whitfield, and down south is more Wesley, uh, so in the mid-1700s. And that awakening was accompanied by phenomena with manifestations of falling out of trees and falling under the spirit. And, and Wesley was wise, he didn't shut it down. This started to happen in a town in, in, in Holland, in Niekirk, and the Dutch church en masse forbade it there. And until recently, they've had no history of revival in the nation from that point. So they all got together now, two years ago, and did a repentance in that town. They pulled in Jesus culture, and a similar thing happened in Germany in the early 1900s where it, it became nationally forbidden and the church got very stuck and didn't grow and they had a similar thing in the 90s where they undid those sort of declarations. We don't want to be part of that. We want to be open and value 
God, however he comes and whatever he does, whether it looks like something or it looks like nothing. And we don't want to be glad when he stops doing it because it's freaking us out. We're learning not to be afraid, not to be suspicious, and not to be... Uh, there's another word that's just gone out of my head, that, not that either. Whatever <laughs> <laughs> word you've got, don't be. <clears throat> Cynical was the word I was looking for. <laughs> and often when we see things, the externals, we can react to that, think, that can't be God, there is God. But actually, Jesus taught the disciples to discern God. Otherwise, Acts 2, when you've got mighty rushing wind, sound, you've got fire, you've got people who are drunk, you've got new languages, that would have split most churches because they would have freaked out at the phenomena, not discern, this is it. This is the outpouring we've been waiting for. And, and we're learning to value that, learning to discern that, learning to embrace what God is doing. And, and so we want this to consume our lives so that we're carriers of his presence at home. I know there, there are kitchens in Beth, people in the church in Bethel, when the glory cloud is happening in the church, the glory cloud is showing up in the kitchen. You know, this, this, these presences for our home, for our family, you only have really running out of time. Um, just just the other thing I've been doing with my grandkids is we'll read them stories, Captain Underpants, all this kind of thing, tuck them in bed. But then I'm giving them, I'm telling them a healing story because I want them to grow up with more faith than I have and had an appetite for this stuff, not thinking it's, it's weird or difficult. Um, and we want this to be in our ministries in-house so that the presence of God is encountered through the coffee cup, through the welcome on the door. And we think through how, how do we mediate his presence in everything that we do in-house and then as we launch other ministries that affect the world, everything we do has to have his presence in it. So say for instance we, we start, we start a, a food bank, our food bank has to be mediating his presence, not just beans. And anybody can do that, and that's fine, it's wonderful, but actually, we need to be giving people the beans and a prophetic word, or a prayer, or a, there's something about the environment that they're experiencing God, not just getting a physical need met. Because it's his presence that distinguishes us from everything else. And, 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 and we're not everything else, we're his church. So thank you. <laughs> kind of got rushed at the end, but <laughs> to have a value for his presence is to value it in every part of our life. You, t you take his presence to your office, to your school, to your lecture theatre. You, you, you can't avoid it. You take his presence. And, and some of becoming more aware of that means we can release that, cooperate with that more than we perhaps do at the moment. So this value is going to affect us from our children's ministry to Sunday morning, from our kitchens to our workshops to our offices, in our ministries of every description, whoever contacts us is going to connect to the presence of God in an increased way. Are you up for that? This is our determined value. This is what we love. One thing we're here for is Him. So good. So I wonder if you just want to recommit your heart to that, turn, you know, 
understand, it happens to me, we get distracted, we get busy, pressures come, disappointments happen. But sometimes you just need to go, you know what, I'm yours Lord and I'm fixing my heart on you, all I want is you. If you want to do that with me this morning, why don't you just stand and we're going to just recommit our hearts to the priority of him, his presence, his goodness. And then we're going to pray for people and then kids will come back and kinds of yummy stuff going on so just tell the Lord just tell the Lord don't get all beat yourself up about this if it's not been where your heart has been recently just tell him this is what you want recommit Jesus you are my primary desire you are you are my thirst you are my hunger I, I give you my heart again I, I seek to put you in every space in my life that you are first I want to carry you into my work. I want to carry you with my children. I want to get so overwhelmed with, I don't know, with, with nappies and pressures and bills that all I do is talk to you about what you haven't done for me yet. I want my agenda to be you first. I love you, Lord. <laughs>